0: what's up fight fan you are listening to mma daily the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts it is sunday november 14th 2021 and this week's episode what's next for harrison and the blessed express we'll recap a great night at ufc vegas 42 talk about bellator 271 and the latest in MMA news before breaking down Ketlin Vieta versus Misha Tate coming up this Saturday in the UFC. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host Natalie Zamudio.
1: Hello, Double G. I'm looking at the calendar. It's November, finally. And are we halfway to Thanksgiving? We're a little closer. To, cl- a little closer than that, actually, right?
0: Over yeah. the yeah, we've officially like crossed that halfway point which is really cool. Um, I I think one of the things that shocked me, we only have one more Bellator event for the year. And I want to say in the ballpark of about five, possibly six UFC events left for the year. So I believe we have one, two, three, three to four fight nights. And um, yeah, five events, one pay-per-view and I think just four fight nights left. So it's like, you know what? We're we're about to hit that home stretch. You know what I mean. All of the the hay is almost in the barn. We just have a few bales (laughs) left.
1: Okay, I like that.
0: Yeah, but um, no. Look, Saturday was a very fun broadcast. If you ask me, I thought that a lot of the fights moved along pretty well. Um, To start it off, right there though, uh, Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez. I I thought the fight could be good. I did not think it could be that amazing. Just back and forth. I really thought Yair, so great in his ability to counter and just so many of those combinations early, you know, open with the kicks, finish with the hands, vice versa, start with the hands, land some hard kicks, chopping away, he was finding openings. I don't think Holloway in the early rounds really had an answer for just that arsenal coming at him. And there were a few direct hits from Yair that I was like, he might just crack him, and this is going to be a wrap. He's about to shock everybody. He's going to, you know, look at Volkanovski all the way in Australia and be like, get your butt back over here. Let's do this. Um, Max Holloway showed why he's Max Holloway. I thought it was very impressive. His First, his uh, gas tank, his determination. He kind of just kept putting the pressure on Yair. As Yair, I felt, kind of started to taper off late in the second, going in through the third. Um, Yair stayed tough. There were a couple, you know, rare ground exchanges. Max, he couldn't always hold him, and that's credit to Yair. But I think Max's ability to overcome and get the better of those positions, that's really what kept him ahead of that fight. I thought it was round two was close. I'm not going to lie. I gave Yair round five, and I thought... This could be a 1-2-5 for Yair, even though they're all close. But um, yeah, I also felt like when you looked at it overall, Max uh, also got the job done. Like I said, round two was there, three and four, definitely Max. So close, competitive, but Max Holloway gets the job done rightfully so.
1: Yeah, that was incredible. Uh, an incredible fight and an incredible performance by both guys. I appreciate it at the end, jumping to the end quickly, Max Holloway giving props to Yair Rodriguez for, you know, two years out of the octagon and coming back with that kind of performance. Like, you come back after two years and you're, you accept a fight with Max Holloway. Whoa, that says a lot. And then you perform the way you did. I mean, the man has definitely re-ingrained uh, himself in the conversation at 145, re-injected himself, and, and like, I think... I don't know what he was ranked before. I didn't check, but you, you better believe by tomorrow or Tuesday, whenever it comes out, he's going to be way up high. I mean, you think they could slot him in top five? Is that crazy? I don't know. But but as far as the performance goes, round one had me nervous as a Max Holloway fan. You know, being a little biased there, as I tend to be. And uh, Yair Rodriguez just came out with everything. Kicks the leg kicks. They had me cringing at the end of the round he threw like a fly knee or something and it seemed like maybe over exerted himself you know as a as a whole by the time the round ended when round two started i felt like he was significantly slower he was retracting his leg much more slowly from the kicks and i thought okay here's where max takes over and i did i thought he did i thought he won two three and four i gave one and five to yair a heck of a fight though and um you know, both guys came out with the faces that showed they were in a war. And again, uh, Max Holloway, always the classiest champ, the classiest victor, you know, Viva Mexico, he's shouting, this guy's amazing, he's a warrior. And you love it when that kind of stuff happens. You, you know, you always expect that kind of outcome um, or response, I should say, from Max Holloway because he's just such a great competitor and never has beef with anybody, but he was extra... Um, impressed and determined to go out of his way to compliment and uh, to compliment Yari Rodriguez, which was, which was really cool. He didn't have to do that, man, but he was really impressed. And and I think he really enjoyed himself, which was, I mean, which was really fun to see.
0: Yeah. I think you saw just um, overall and look, I, I know there's different levels to it. I mean, we just had the carnage of Gaethje and Chandler. Um, I still feel the Costa Vittori one is up there. Uh, Like I said, no lot of drama, but 25 minutes in the cage is still fun. I love the display of martial arts we saw on Saturday because Mm -hmm. we had a little bit of everything. They had to use their ground game. They showed the versatility, especially Yair, and then Max. I mean, when you see Max grapple, it's kind of like a great litmus test because you never get to see it. So just overall, it was 25 minutes of really... You just remember how talented these guys are and sometimes they need someone like that to push them to be that good. And I think that that was really fun to watch and I love the respect too. Um, Max teased it all week. Uh, By the way, Yair, I'm excited for whatever's next. Yair Ortega, Yair Cater, Yair Giga, Yair Barbosa, uh, Yair Shane Burgos. Give me all of it. Uh, I think it would be a good show. Um, Max Holloway. He teased that there are a lot of options for him. I will say this. On paper, he's not wrong. I would love to see him fight Connor. I also think it would be very intriguing this version of Max against Charles Oliveira. I do not see a scenario where he does not take Alex Volkanovsky next. And I'll say this, you know, are there quote-unquote more lucrative options out there? Yes, but it's got to take two to tango. And I think when you talk about those guys at 155, you got Gaethje, you got Islam Mahachev, you got Benil Dariush. Now is not the time to inject Max Holloway into the mix. Let some of those guys play it out. Possibly Gaethje fights for the lightweight title, first half of 20, um, 22. And then let's see where we're at. Where are the dominoes? Is Max a champion again? Has he gone 0-3 against Volkanovski? Right now, I don't think that there's a scenario where I see Max outside of 145. What about you?
1: Uh, I agree. I think if he were to ever go up to 155 after we saw the, you know, the the fight against Poirier, like, it's just a long-term game, um, a long-term. process. Yeah, thank you. And, like, Max Holloway wants to stay active, so if you want to stay active, you can't make a, an immediate jump up to 155. You can't eat your way up to 155. The division at the top is too dangerous. You have to smartly bulk your way up. And even though Max has the height and the frame, he doesn't have the, the muscle, right? Like, he's just built differently. So to get up there and to compete with, let's just say, again, Dustin Poirier or anyone else up there, you know, uh, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, any of these guys, even Conor well, yeah, even Conor McGregor. He needs to take some time, like six months to, to get there with muscles, with strength and conditioning. So if we're looking at one forty five, you know, I don't know if I want to see the Volkanovsky fight again, but he's earned it. And so and it's just the kind of MMA math that actually makes sense where it's like, Okay, he's won two two fights, they've been well, probably more than two. Uh, no, I think it's just been Calvin Cater and Riyari Rodriguez, right? Was Volkanovsky the fight before Calvin Cater? yeah okay so two but two like very impressive wins that have had everybody buzzing brian ortega just lost pretty decidedly to alexander volkanovsky um you know korean zombie no not enough calvin cater no not enough like just looking at the roster here right now ufc actually has yaya rodriguez ranked as uh, in the third position so Okay, you could just give him a title shot, but that wouldn't sit right with someone with Max Holloway. Um, I don't think it's fair. So, fairness and literally MMA math tells me Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky, unless Max is willing to sit out for a long time to, to change his body to successfully compete at 155.
0: Yeah, I think that um, it's just the timing. And I will say this. I think that win or lose, the Conor McGregor fight will be there for Max um, next year. I, I expect Conor to be kind of like Aljamain Sterling. Oh, he could come back next summer. Conor McGregor, he is the kind of product you do not want to rush out early. I'm, I'm sure he's going to post a lot more videos and say he's down and this and that. Conor McGregor doesn't fight until next fall. And that's tentatively, mind you. So I think that, look, Max, focus on other stuff. The lightweight champion definitely has other stuff. And, you know, let's see where we're at going into next summer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's where I stand. Um, I'm not going to break down Max and Alex number three because we only have an hour. Right. um, uh, I will say this. And and you know how I feel about it. You go 0-2, it's kind of like it's just unfair to Volk. But I acknowledge there is no, they're each other's perfect dance partner. They're just so good and they can push each other to the limit in a way that very few other people can. And once again, kind of like Max and Yair, it's just a beautiful display of martial arts. You're talking about two elite talents who push each other to be great. And I think that that's what you see when those two fight. So, do I want something new? Yeah, but... I'm not going to lie. It's been good, compelling television each time because they're both so evenly matched and so good. What about you?
1: Yeah, I agree. It's like the fights they've already had were amazing. The last fight that Alexander Volkanovsky had, exciting. Same for Max's last two fights. So you put them together. It's not something where people are like, "Ah, I don't want to see that fight again. Because it was boring, because it was one-sided. Whether you want to see it or not, you know you're going to get a great fight. You know that they're going to be going five rounds hard. So it is a win-win all around. But, you know, it's just one of those things where, well, I was going to say it's like Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, a little bit. You know, if, because I thought Tyson Fury won the first two, so I was like, we don't need a third one. Uh, but you know, they were technically, it was a draw and a win for Tyson Fury. Now here is very different. Volkanovski won both fights. I thought he won the, I thought Holloway won the second, the first one. I wasn't sure. Uh, so, you know, the rubber match is there for the making and probably it'll get made.
0: Yeah. I I don't see a scenario where it doesn't. I think, uh, Giga Chikadze also 145 still on the way up, um, Zabit, whatever, you know, I know we always talk about it because 145 has been in the focus in recent months. From what I hear, Zabit, his medical issues are forcing him to retire. Wow. Yeah, you know, they haven't talked about it much, but that's what I've heard. So, you know, I'm sure he's trying to get second opinions. I'm sure UFC is hoping to get a second opinion and figure it out. Similar to Dan Hardy with the heart issue, if you remember, like... You know, Dan's come out and been Mm -hmm. like, well, like, it's been so much different stuff, but I've uh, had other doctors clear me. It's just been this complicated health issue with the commission. So I'm sure they're exploring that. But from what I've heard, he kind of something, you know, kind of popped up in his system that he's got to address. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Not life
0: threatening, but Uh commission stopping, you know? Gotcha. Ed do you know, does anyone know what it is or is it just a mystery? He hasn't really gone into detail from what I know about it. I think it's just one of those things that, you know, the body is a complex machine and, you know, (laughs) a lot of those systems, they're not just like changing out, you know, the keyboard or mouse at a desktop. Right, right. Okay. I would love to see him back. I think that he's such a great player, and that makes 145 more exciting. But outside of him, I think that Giga, Shane Burgos, and them just need to keep working their way up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But until then, we got Max. Well. Not a bad spa- space to be. No. Uh, let's talk about uh, some of the other stuff we had going on. Uh, Felicia Spencer dominates Leah Letson. Leah coming off about, I want to say, two and a half year layoff. Um, just uh, Felicia Spencer, obviously, when she's doing well, she's kind of like that anchor at 145. Whatever happens with Amanda happens with Amanda. She goes to and wait, but if you're talking about 145, well, you got Felicia Spencer, who owns a win over Megan Anderson, who's one of the only other top featherweights out there, uh, former Invicta champion. Is Felicia Spencer, I mean, what do you think? If they sign Kayla Harrison, does Felicia Spencer get that fight?
1: Probably. That, that makes sense. Like, she's a name. She fought Cyborg. Uh, yeah, she fought Cyborg. Did she fight Nunes?
0: Yeah, she fought Nunes last year. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. that's
1: right. So, oh, that's right. Uh, so, yeah, she's a good name. She's got a, um, okay, now correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't she also have a judo background?
0: I have to double-check that. I'm not 100% sure. Or is
1: it, what's her background? Taekwondo now? I can't remember.
0: Yeah, she's, she primarily, some... she's a grappler. Okay.
1: That's fair. Okay, the grappler. Okay. We'll leave it at that. Go ahead,
0: keep talking uh, while I like Google. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, okay. So she's got that that background, right? That, that matches up nicely with, with Kayla Harrison. Um, I mean, that's kind of it. She's got a name, she has a, a background it's, it's good matchmaking. She's not coming out there as a predominantly predominant striker that's gonna, you know, try and 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 blow up Kayla Harrison. Although Kayla Harrison is coming out there to try and take you down no matter what. So yeah, I think that's a good one. That's a good matchup.
0: Uh, start and what
1: you know, <laughs> that's another conversation.
0: Side note, taekwondo, age four, then she started BJJ and kickboxing at uh 12 years old. Okay, okay, yeah. there you go. Um, yeah, so here's my one thing about Felicia Spencer is that when you talk about Kayla Harrison, what fight are you trying to welcome her in? Because I'll, I'll say this stylistically. I feel like, and I'm not saying that, you know, win or lose, but I think when you talk about a Kayla Harrison showcase, if you really want to build her up quick, I think Norma Dumont is a better style matchup for Kayla. You want to really test her early, Felicia, naturally a bit bigger, more proven, more experienced. I think that's a little tougher. Now, look, Kayla right now is very tough to pick against Kayla if your name's not Cyborg or Manda Nunes. But I will say that I think that's more telling of what their plan would be if they do indeed sign her, which is a big if. But um, Yeah. Yeah, so that that's just my food for thought. I will say this. I think that if... Kayla comes over, she will fight Felicia sooner or later. There's only so many featherweights, and for example, I don't know if, let's say a Daniel Wolf would get the fight, even though there's only a few uh, featherweights out there. Kayla comes over, eventually they get in, they throw Felicia at her, and I think that would be an interesting fight, considering Felicia's grappling background too. or yep. at least style, let me put it that way. mm hmm I almost missed one. Uh, the Rogerio de Lima, uh, Marcus Rogerio de Lima against Ben Rothwell, that finish. And so a lot of people really dissecting this one and had some feelings about Herb Dean. What were your thoughts on it?
1: I actually thought it was a perfectly fine stoppage. He was getting his head whipped around on his feet, Rothwell was, and it was just weird timing. And, you know, strong instincts from Rothwell, weird timing from Herb Dean. Rothwell ate one shot, the last shot that just w- w- spun his head around. Herb Dean stepped in, and like at the exact same moment, Rothwell drops to try and, and go for the takedown. So it was just bad timing, but Herb Dean did the right thing. That fight was, needed to be stopped. Um, you know Those kind of takedown attempts where it's just like de- desperation and instinct kicking in, uh, you know, it wasn't gonna end. It wasn't gonna end well. Maybe it would have bought him a little bit of time. Maybe he would have gotten back to his feet. But he was whacked really hard, like really ferociously, by uh, by Rogério. R- yeah, Rogério. Yeah, Rogério. There you go. How about you? because I can see why. You know, obviously it creates all this controversy. But to me, it was like, nah, it wasn't Herb's fault. It was just bad timing. But he was going in to do the right thing at the right time.
0: You know. Uh- it's so difficult because on the one hand you want to be fair to every athlete right and Mm -hmm. look you know if you're not out and you know look it's you i get it win bonuses and all this other stuff uh sometimes being you know having the chance to rally in the fight you feel like you're owed that right especially when you put so much into the sport and then there's obviously the other side of the coin safety first you never want to be responsible for a serious injury or worse It's a difficult job to have. And I don't envy Herb Dean and the guys up there. What I will say is that the way it played out was... uh, I'm going to say this. This is very borderline. I understand what you're saying. And was he going to stop it? Was he not? I do think that's him trying to be on top of the action. What I will say is that it almost kind of got a bit of a pass. Because Herb... He kind of goes in to stop the fight, but then Ben and Rogério keep moving, right? And mm-hmm. Lima's like, hey, well, did you stop it or did you not? And then Herb is uh, got to be there to say, yeah, I stopped it. Mm-hmm. I-, I think that's sort of the controversy because people are like, well, did he stop it or did he not? These are two big guys moving. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, but uh, you- Herb has poked fun at it himself. Uh, when um Bigfoot Silva knocked out Alistair Overeem, Bigfoot kind of was so pumped up and... He kind of just, like, you know, when you're riding the... Like, you're holding on to the wakeboard pulled by a Mm -hmm. boat or a jet ski? He said it was like that, him trying, you know... Bigfoot just started running, and he just kind of slid along with them like he was along for the ride. Ben and Lima are not small heavyweights. This isn't Stipe and JDS out there. So I would say that while it didn't look good, I think you... uh, There was no way they were going to ever keep the fight going. I know that it was a difficult spot, but I do think it was just a matter of Herb Dean was trying to stop the fight and they kept moving and he wasn't in a position to hold on to them still. Yeah, But he was right there with them. He didn't back off and like pretend like he's still watching the action. Like I said, I I get it. The body language, it looks like, am I going to stop it or am I not? I mean, you look at that fight, and I get it. You look at Pat Berry, Chuck Congo, same, similar thing, and look what we got. I get it, but how? put 100 referees in there. How are you going to get that right? Ah, oh, let me stop it. Oh, it's too early. He was still in it. Oh, you know, it's one of those things, especially with the heavyweights, because they can take the most damage and deliver the most. But, yeah. That's probably a long-winded answer to say I agree, but I
1: do. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I mean, it it was. It's a tricky one. It's legitimately a tricky one. So it's definitely a, a you know ripe for discussion for dissection.
0: Yeah. Um. The final one for UFC. Uh. Andrea Lee gets a big win over Cynthia Calvillo. Um. I'm not gonna say Valentina Shevchenko already, and she admitted <laughs> that too. But you know what? That was one of the better performances, I thought. I thought that was a good one. And anything that shakes up flyweight right now, it's kind of like shaking up bantamweight. You know, anyone that looks like they could break the status quo of the champion, it's always a good sign. What about you?
1: Yeah, it was nice to see, you know, not for Calvillo, but for Andrea Lee, who's a name that's been, she's, you know, she has popularity and sometimes she has great fights, sometimes not so great, but she's... You, you see the potential and you see the the skill set growing and the personality is strong you know there's there's definitely something there that's that's very close to being um big star right ready um and I feel for Calvio. like how long ago did she fight on it feels like it was just last month um yeah, September she got, yeah. yeah she got walloped by Andrage and she got walloped by by Andrea Lee to the point where she, you know she didn't answer the call answer the bell um, essentially, so that's a tough one for her, but it's a great one for, for Andrea Lee, great, great, great win, and, uh, you know, she looked good, she looked good in it, I know you guys, you you know, you interview you interview her pretty often, so that must have been exciting to see.
0: Oh, yeah, I, on a personal level, I'm just so happy for her, I know that, um, I mean, you talk about where she was at, uh, you know, 0-3, and, and really struggling there for a minute, and you talk about her UFC job and all that, and To just see, you know, she told me she just wanted to, the one who, the fighter who lost to Roxy, she just um, felt like she didn't do a lot of things that she'd been training to do and that she's just kind of turned the corner mentally. And I think that it's just working in a way that it's all clicking and you're Mm -hmm. seeing her perform, you know, I'd argue better than when she was on her win streak because I think that she's firing with more volume and more aggression. And I think that that's maybe been the difference in some of those fights against maybe the Lauren Murphys and Roxanne Morferi's. So it's been good to see. Yeah. Um, by the way, Chaos Williams, that's just a bad man. Knockout of Miguel Baeza, that was just one of the better finishes. And you know what? You give him his respect. You got to watch out for him. And I think that he definitely established that at a, I believe they're at Welterweight. Nice. Um. Moving on to Friday Night Bellator, uh, Chris Cyborg, we knew it was always gonna be a mountain going in for Sinead Kavanaugh, and I wondered, you know, Leslie Smith, she's tough, but she's almost 40, and how does Cyborg need almost all 25 minutes, she got her out of there so quick the last time a few years ago, could Cyborg be slowing down? And instead, I'm sorry, but Cyborg was trucking along like she was on the Blessed Express. That was brutal. What were your thoughts?
1: Well, firstly, I thought, oh, boy, she's, I mean, she even admitted it at the end. You know, she didn't listen to her coaches. She just went for it. Something inside of her clicked and either, you know, I can't remember the sequence if either she got hit first or not. But she was just like, uh, nah, I'm going to, I'm just going to beat you up right now. Let's just do this. She ate a couple of shots, man. She got lucky if it was Amanda Nunes on the other end, uh, you know, we know what happened the first time. It, it probably would happen again if Cyborg got so careless with someone like Amanda Nunes. Sinead Cavanaugh, okay, different story, but still, she, she got hit. She ate some good shots there, countered with that right hook, and then the ground and pound. My goodness, like, a lot of people would just walk away at that point, but she was like, nah, nah, I'm gonna make sure the ref calls this off before I walk away. Uh, it was pretty brutal, but it was a good win, and and it was great for for Cyborg to to show everyone as you're talking about age and performance and all that stuff, that she still got it. She's still a killer. She's still a threat. Uh, she's still you better watch out. Like anybody, Kayla Harrison, whoever whoever you are, right?
0: Oh, completely. I think that she proved that. Um, I, I I'll say this, and I, I say this respectfully. Outside of maybe um, Cad Zingano or Kayla, looking at the featherweight division at Bellator, I don't think Chris Cyborg loses to the other women. I think Chris Cyborg loses to Father Time. Yeah, yeah, Uh, that's fair. You know, and um, I I want to talk about the more obvious ones. I know they brought Janae Harding from Australia to kind of guest commentate. I found that interesting. I, I like Janae. I've spoken with her um young prospect uh has done kind of like a what's a good way to put it crossover stuff and branching out like uh did a spot for bose headphones and collaborated with disney for the mulan movie when it came out the remake mm. so i I understand you know look those didn't get traction here in the u.s but in australia you know she's been doing work she did just lose to leah mccourt and You know, I know Leah in Ireland um, just fought recently. I don't know if it was a travel thing. But I do find it interesting because I was like, well, are you trying to say that Janae is next, if not Kat Zingano? Mm -hmm. Because it should be Kat. I did run into Kat on Friday at LFA. Okay. Um, She was just a fan, but I I did ask her. um, And then she's like, I did hear that she called me out. So... Katsingano knows, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. You know, like, wow, breaking news, exclusive. She didn't want to talk much, and I respected that. But um, <laughs> she was like, "I heard," you know, mm. like it, it's like everyone knows. Yes, I know. Like, I'm aware. I don't know what's going on. Um, what I will say is that I think if it's not cat. I think it would be unfair to do that to Leah, to, jumper, to have Janae jump the line. So now what the only thing I see is that it's Kat Zingano or Chris Cyborg is going to box. Because oh, unless wow. you sign Kayla Harrison, I'm sorry, but what are we doing still at Bellator? Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Also, um, the former title challenger uh, Arlene Blanco, who Cyborg beat last year, Mm-hmm. she beat the coming in the invicta champion um i believe pam yeah pam Sorensen. but i i want to say she had one fight in bellator already since leaving invicta but she okay. left as the reigning champion and it's like i'm sorry but y- you don't have anyone on that roster that i'm like oh my gosh i can't wait to see it you know what i mean right yeah um which brings the question i'm sorry but If this were a reality show, this is Kayla Harrison dating all these different guys (laughs) like she's the bachelorette. Mm -hmm. Like she's going to see UFC at his town, and then she goes to visit the other guy in another town. She's going to visit Bellator, but then she's coming out of this long relationship with the PFL. I mean, I don't know. What do you think about how it's played out? She's gotten a lot of TV time. She got a lot of TV time. I didn't expect the the dating. I
1: thought, you know, the big, uh, the big move was I'm going to show up at the UFC and fight and just hang out and send my little tweet, anything going on. And then she's at Bellator, so I'm like, okay, so you're just playing a game. And that's fine. That's smart marketing. Get yourself out there. Get the people talking. You know, the fans talking, the media talking the promoters having to answer a question about whether they want you or not, you know, putting them on the spot and that would affect negotiating. Maybe, I don't know. You know, Dana White straight, straight up says, nah, we don't want her. She should stay at BFL. Is that a smart negotiating tactic or is he just telling the truth? Um, But, but yeah, so it's, it's savvy. Um, It's definitely keeping me at the, at the edge of my seat over here. Um, But I think, correct me if I'm wrong. Even Chris Cyborg was like, well, I think she'll probably just stay at PFL. (laughs) So
0: I thought that was kind of funny. I think that's completely fair. Yeah. Okay, can I be honest? I think it's a bit of the UFC effect. I think that UFC is drawing a line in the sand and they're, uh, I'll say it a little unfairly, they're kind of shortchanging, Kayla, right now it looks like. And then the way UFC sees it is like, okay, we're setting the bar lower. Imagine your hand lower. Mm -hmm. So Bellator sees it and is like, well, we're going to pay you more, but now we know that you're not getting it here. So why are we going to overpay ourselves?
1: Right, right.
0: And then PFL is already locked into a number no matter what. So Kayla Harrison is like, you know our number. So if you want to go, you, we don't have to go up or down for you. The others have told you where they're at already. You know where we are. It's an interesting game. And I will say <laughs> that, once again, I mean, if you're getting shortchanged at UFC, do you see, uh, if you're Kayla, Chris Cyborg, Arlene Blanco, Kat Zingano, and you're like, well, this could be a fun year for me. And uh, you know, maybe long-term, what does she want after that? What does she, how busy does she plan to be? Does she want to try to do the cross promotion and all that? There's not many featherweight girls outside of um, the lower weight classes. Think about it. When have you ever heard one championship? Oh, we're going to have the featherweights. No, yeah. Uh, you know, Ryzen, uh, Ryzen kind of does a weirder thing with the openweight stuff like Gabby Garcia, but y- you get my point. Um, So, right now, from what we seem to be getting, is that uh, PFL financially is probably the leader. Mm -hmm. I said that if PFL wins, Megan Anderson is going to pick PFL just because there's more to do. Unless Bellator really pushes for her, but I think that Megan sees maybe more upside in having both Felicia and Kayla to deal with in PFL. Um, so yeah, I I will say that, um, I'm enjoying it, but unless something unexpected happens, I'm not sure. And to her credit, I listened to Kayla talk to on the American Top Team podcast. She was very coy. They asked, well, were you there at UFC just to watch? And she said, Mm -hmm. yeah. Knowing full well, no, she wasn't there just there to watch. (laughs) And look, maybe Dana and UFC and Kayla and Ali are playing a game, but she's not just... uh, Okay, I kind of... I think I drank the (laughs) Kool-Aid. Dana met with Kayla when he was in New York. Okay. I'll put money on that. They did that. I I don't think that Kayla... I think they're playing a game. And they're like, look, the fact is we keep this on the DL around here. And so Kayla's like... Okay, whatever you say. But I, I, I just have a feeling they did. At the second. very
1: least for Ali, right? Like, Ali would yep. have to call in a favor. Let's just say, you know, if Dana didn't actually want to meet with her, Ali would have to, you know, do a little pleading. And, you know, it could just also be a negotiating tactic to say, like, no, no, I don't want to meet with her. You know, everyone's playing a game, right? Everyone's playing a game, like you said. And uh, who's going to win? Who's playing it best? We don't know yet but yeah, you got to believe that at the very least there was some kind of handshaking conversation. Uh, and, and probably the same with Scott Coker. Um, but yeah, like who's who? like, when you don't want to be Kayla and Ali and you don't want to, you don't want to be what I don't want them to do, I guess is to, is to be trying to play the game so hard that it's, ruffling feathers like you know if I'm Dana White and I see them come to my fight and they come and meet me and then they go do the same thing at Belcher I'm like okay well what are you guys up to like are you serious about me you're trying to like you know make me second guess make me negotiate against myself like I think it's getting a little dangerous here (laughs) to overplay the game so so we'll see I mean they already saw the two biggest promotions I guess they're probably done but You know, you don't want to piss anybody off. So that's the only, you know, danger there.
0: Scott Coker says that they're going to talk to Ali Abdelaziz tomorrow. Okay. Monday, so maybe today, depending on when you're listening to us. But I don't know. I, uh, because everything's behind the scenes, you just kind of want to get an answer sooner rather than later to end the conversation, right? But. Yeah. It's because there's so many fun options. It's, uh, and, and also compared to like when there's been like a fade or somebody, this doesn't happen that often that you get someone like Kayla. And it's like, oh, well, everybody's kind of wants a piece of the pie now. So uh, it, it's very entertaining. We don't get to we don't get to see this kind of stuff that often. We get to see people leave UFC We don't see many people outside the UFC kind of be like, well, are we going to dance or no? Yeah. So I'm enjoying it. Me too. Uh, Let's talk about some MMA news. Uh, It's been such a fun show that I hate to bring up a heartbreaker, but Jorge Masvidal is out of the fight with Leon Edwards at UFC 269. Injury undisclosed. Um, So now it... From what social media seems to be saying, Leon said, uh, you know, and I know he's just taking a shot at him. I knew he would pull out and I accepted the fight. Now I'm turning my attention to the title. Obviously, he sees an opportunity. He's no longer locked into a fight. Usman doesn't have a fight lined up. Can he make it happen? I'm sure that's his strategy. Everyone and their mom came out to challenge him. Hamzat Chemaev, which I really thought we were going to hear that, and Dana's going to be like, you know, he's going to come out, and he's going to just tell somebody, Bronstedter, TMZ, yeah, we're doing Leon versus Hamzat. <laughs> and then Leon's going to be, I didn't hear about that, and then it's like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, but um, I really thought that was going to happen. Gilbert Burns. Uh, not Vicente Luque, unless I missed it, but I was a little surprised by that, so... I like, you know, well, let me toss it to you. That's the situation. What are your thoughts on what we got?
1: Well, okay, first disappointed, and then I thought a little bit of like, oh, you know, it's one of those where think about how Connor handled his injury and always talking, you know, about people who who pull out of fights, and so it was almost like he was cornered into having to perform with that little stress fractures in his leg. Then he cracks his, leg lagging the fight. Okay. You don't want to do that. But when you talk a lot, you know, there's sort of this about, you know, always being ready, always being up for the challenge, always, you know, game. Uh, You kind of put yourself in a little bit of a pickle when you actually have to pull out of a fight. Except when you think about Jorge Masvidal, the man flew to Abu Dhabi on six days notice, cut weight, fought the champion. Like, you know, no one's going to give this guy heck for for pulling out of a fight because he's injured. You got to believe. Knowing what he's done in the past, specifically this Kamara Usman last-minute last fight, you got to believe it's something important, right? And maybe not serious, but important, significant that he needs to, to take some time. So, okay, it's disappointing, but it's not the end of the world. Everybody has to pull out of a fight here and there for an injury. And, of course, Leon Edwards, as you said, jumps up the opportunity. So, okay, it sucks. You know, UFC 269, just around the corner. December, what, December 11th, I think, something like that, uh, that was part of what made that card great, right, they moved, what did they do, they did some kind of moving around, right, so they moved
0: uh, Moreno and Figueredo off the card, right.
1: that's right, and so now it's like, oh, well, <laughs> you think they're going to move them back, side note, side question, um, I mean, probably not. I, I
0: thought of that, and I was like, oh, that would be cool, but then I'm like, yeah, I think they're like, no, nah, because you still got two title fights, including, if you ask me, one of the bigger ones in Charles versus Dustin. So I think they see it as like, well, we don't want to shortchange one pay-per-view. You want to... You're hoping that two title fights on each one maximizes the two of them. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, to me, the Leon Edwards situation reminds me a lot of Dana White's stance on Carla Esparza. Mm -hmm. And I think that what it comes down to is that, you know, by most criteria, it should be Leon to the point that we're asking, why isn't it Leon? And then there's just the simple fact that because he isn't a Joanna, a Masvidal, a Covington, that, you know, he's uh, there's just guys that you feel like, you know, because he's not a talker. And for whatever reason, the fans haven't caught on to him, that it feels like he's almost too interchangeable with another top contender. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the thing that is like, well, you know, we're not losing out on big money. You feel like Leon is going to sell the same as Luke or someone else that's coming up in the division. What I don't like, though, is that at the end of the day, you have a situation where now Leon hasn't fought since May, and now it's on Kamaru Usman to make the call. Yeah, and that, who knows when that could happen but I will say we just heard Kamar Usman a week ago say I'm looking to spend more time with my family that to me and the fact that Dana doesn't like Leon or Carla's writing and saying that they want to wait even though the situation might almost allow it I do think that Leon is going to end up fighting somebody and I wouldn't be surprised if they tried Hamza and they just said no But I do feel like it's very likely Leon is maybe talking about, "Hey, gimme Luke, gimme Gilbert Burns." I think the Burns fight is great because that just opens the door for the only one I don't see happening is Luke, because I feel like Dana and them they want to push, they want to keep Luke on standby because if anything happens to Leon, okay, you have another searching contender. Whereas if you put Luke and Edwards, you lose one of them trying to build the other up. Mm-hmm. That's the only scenario, but I think you could hold and do Leon Masvidal. You could do Leon Burns. The Leon Hamzad is always going to be there. You could do either of those other three fights, but the only one that doesn't seem likely is Edwards Luque.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's just a tricky situation for Leon Edwards, and it has been for like so long in much of his UFC career. Uh, the Carlos Barza comparison is a good one. There's, except, like Carlos Barza, I feel like is is very likable. There's something about Leon Edwards that he's not uh, disliked, but he's just not really regarded much. Like, if it was if it wasn't for the Jorge Masvidal three piece with the soda thing, I don't know, man. I feel like people just aren't, you know, chomping at the bit to talk about him to see him fight. The the people who do talk about him are the are the you know the deep MMA heads who like are really looking at his style his technique but like as far as exciting personalities go or just personalities go he's he's not in that circle yet sorry you were gonna say something
0: is it because he doesn't talk trash so what if he's quiet what's wrong with being the See,
1: but, uh, even killed else. one it's not just that right because there are popular uh fighters who are quiet you know Look, max holloway isn't i don't want to say he's quiet but he doesn't talk trash either he says i'm he has these catchy sayings and you know i'm i'm the best it is what it is the blessed express you got to be the best to be the best blah blah like he kind of just says the same thing over and over again but he's so likable and he's also an excellent fighter uh Kabib like eh, he would defend himself but he wasn't going out of way out of his way to talk smack about you except like conor mcgregor right so there's a lot of fighters that don't do it. There's just something about Leon Edwards that's like kind of blank. Like he's just, he doesn't have a thing at all. Like your thing could be I'm the quiet man. Your thing could be I'm the talker. I'm the, I'm the fight picker, you know, but like he doesn't have a thing yet. And I think that's the, pro- <laughs> that's the problem. He's just blah.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's fair. You know, I, I think that's very fair. L- let me ask you this. In your heart, who does uh, Edwards fight before the title? Because I'll be honest, I just don't see a scenario. Usman fought three times this year. He's not about to, you know, cash in again and do a third fight unless it's a big name.
1: Yeah, I don't think Usman will fight till May. Uh, holidays are coming up, and then, you know, so he's going to enjoy himself. Eat turkey, eat whatever. I'll see pumpkin pie, stuffing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Then work his way into feeling like he wants to start training again, so maybe April, May, okay? Uh, So who does uh, Leon Edwards fight? Probably Gilbert Burns. That makes sense. Um, I think Luke, you know, I hear what you're saying about the two guys that are coming up, but I feel like that's a good fight too. But those kinds of matchups are always um, worrisome because, yeah, then you knock down, then you're going to give an L to somebody that, you know, is on the rise and would, benefit you your company and himself greatly from a win so that is a tricky one but yeah Gilbert Burns that makes sense
0: yeah I I agree I think it'll be Gilbert depending on the injury to Mosvidal. I mean not all of them are equal so in the event that Mosvidal somehow comes back sooner maybe yeah yeah that's that's true that's
1: true I didn't think about that
0: yeah yeah anyway but I it just sucks because you know how much stuff happens to Leon that is just like, I'm sorry, but I know. What <laughs> more do the that MMA much. gods want from that man? That poor man. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, we got another big fight coming up this Saturday Ketlin Vieira against Misha Tate. Um, straight up with this one, uh, I think the winner of this one is probably in a title eliminator. I think that if you talk about a Misha win, you're looking at Irene Aldana or Jermaine. I think if you look at a um, Vieira win, you're probably looking at a possible Aldana rematch or even Jermaine. I think if Vieira wins, I think Aldana is the next de facto Bantamweight contender. I mean, I know she missed weight for the fight with Yana over the summer, but I think when you look at that division, it's kind of like when they gave it to Raquel Pennington coming off a loss or Juliana Pena off one fight win streak. It's just coming off a great knockout and you're just the next woman up at Bantamweight. So I think that that's what we're going to see. But stylistically, you're talking about obviously just an engine in Misha against one of the more multifaceted women in Ketlin. What are your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, I mean, Ketlin has had some fine performances. She's also lost to some really good good fighters as well. Um, just looking at the record, I think, yeah, Yana Kunitskaya, she lost to her, to Rene Aldana, of course. She beats the Jar Eubank, so, you know. And before that, and Sarah McMantil, so like the older generation of MMA fighters who still fight a little bit differently aren't as slick with their stand-up game, it's more, more like muscle um, than style. Okay, now Misha Tate is an interesting opponent, right? She comes from that older school, but we just saw her fight against Marion Renault and she's, she's, at least for that fight, turned herself into someone with a little bit um, more modern fight style. She still has her wrestling to rely on, but her striking was a lot smoother and her physique was different. She wasn't, like, sort of a soft 135-er. She was, like, muscular. She was cut. She was built. She worked on it. She she built her her body up to 135 in a different way. So, okay, this is interesting. Um, I'm more looking forward to seeing how Misha Tate performs to see if she can still show that improved version of herself against a younger, uh, more modern MMA fighter. But... Um, it's a big moment for Caitlin Vieira, right? If you beat a name like Misha Tate, I mean, to have on your belt beating Sarah McMahon, Kat Zinganus, and, you know, Star u plus uh, Misha Tate, that's a big one. That gets, that gets your needle moving. If Misha Tate beats Caitlin Vieira, especially if it's um, um, a finish of any kind, that I think would, like, shoot Misha Tate up to the top Pretty, pretty rapidly, right? She's already pretty close to the top there anyway just because she's Misha Tate and she won her fight, her last fight. So that's kind of how I see this one. Uh, as far as what's going to happen, it's a tough one, man. Uh, Caitlin Vieira's got, got a physique on her and she's going to be tough to, to push around, but I think Misha Tate can do it. She's got that savvy, the experience of digging deep, getting out of tricky situations, I don't think Misha Tate can finish Caitlin VR just because she's a bigger, stronger person than Marion Renault is. Uh, no offense there, but um, I think Misha Tate can win by decision. So I think it's just going to go to the judges, Misha Tate.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that um, the the tougher thing is going to be, can she get the fight down? Because I think that on the feet, she may struggle with Catlin. Also, not for nothing, but Ketlin is a very competent grappler herself. Yeah. I think what it comes down to is the athleticism on Mish Tate's mm. side, similar to the Marion fight. And when you talk about the layoff and all that, um, you got to now, okay, the ring rust and all that, whatever. Now it's, can you build off of that? Because I feel like the Marion fight, that's the baseline. But mm-hmm. now we're, we're talking about, can you be a top contender, right? The girls right. have only gotten better. So I think the real challenge is Misha, uh, similar to kind of what we saw with Yair, you know, growing as a striker. Can she set up the hand, use the hands to set up the takedowns? And across a 25-minute fight now, you're talking about you have to really put on a good pace. You're going to have to have a deep gas tank because if you're looking to just put her into a grind and all that, you're talking about an opponent who's not going to be easy to put away those first few rounds. So... I think that Misha has a little more to work with. I think that if Ketlin can keep it at mid-range, then it becomes quite much more a Ketlin fight. I think it's really just about stopping that forward momentum of Misha. That being said, once again, Misha's one of those people, they just get better as the fight goes on. Oh, boy. I know I just said it, and then I'm like, I could see Ketlin just doing the thing at mid-range. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I do think that um. I think that Misha's going to have done the hard work that she has to have. I think she's had a longer training camp to prepare for Ketlin. Uh, I do think that Misha's more often than not going to be the more active and get the takedowns. So yeah. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. But I'm going to go Misha Tate. I want a third round rear naked choke. Oh, I, I like think we're going to get a finish okay yeah so that's where i stand on that one so misha tate for the win we'll see who gets the bragging rights um natalie can you believe it next week will be our first week off i think they said it's been 10 weeks without a ufc event wow yes it has not happened in quite a while um after the so obviously for thanksgiving So, you know, uh, we're going to get through this fight week and then there's one off. There's no Bellator. There's no PFL. Um, Ironically, I do think there's a one championship, which makes sense. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't celebrate uh, Thanksgiving in Singapore. But, um, yeah, then we're last home stretch. Three more fight cards. Um, You've got uh, Rob Font, Jose Aldo. You've got Poirier, Oliveira. Then you've got um, Derek Lewis, uh, Kyle Dacus um this is gonna be a good one what are your thoughts as we head into the uh holiday break
1: well gosh i love mma but my thoughts are about pumpkin pie and so that's what i'm thinking and then i'll be happy to get back to mma you know i'm glad everyone's taking a break so we can (laughs) i can enjoy my pie gabriel double g i love pumpkin pie
0: (laughs) you know what i'm more of a cherry pie person
1: well okay In general, like if we're talking pies, all, you know, give me all the pies. Which one do I pick? Banana cream pie. Okay. Okay. That's my pie. From Marie Callender's banana cream pie all day, all night. But when we get to Thanksgiving to November, which is the only time I eat pumpkin pie, even though you could probably get it whenever you want. (laughs) Oh, man, it's so good. I just can't. I can't get enough. I could eat a whole pie. Like I don't even need turkey, even though my mom makes delicious turkey. That pumpkin pie, bro
0: see we just have such a you know a hybrid thing that it's like you know we get it there's a turkey but it's like well you know it's kind of always small family so it's like let's just order what we want and just enjoy it (laughs) that way yeah you know it's um i don't know we're not big about uh you know we don't have this long tradition uh we need the smoke the ham and uh-huh, baste uh-huh. the turkey and grandma making the graving. We don't do that. You know, it's, um, you know, I dig uh, it. I dig uh, honestly, it. every now and then it's like, if we just all have a nice dinner and there just doesn't happen to be turkey there, I think we'd survive. But, you know, yeah,
1: if you're not, yeah, I get it. Cause like turkeys, I only really like the turkey that my mom makes, but like, I'm not going out of my way in general to eat turkey. And so, If you're getting together to sit down to eat something, you might as well eat what you like, Like, you know, if you're going to have a
0: dinner. (laughs) Exactly. You know, uh, and that's just us. Uh, Other people like I've been to those dinners and I I get it. I feel the I I get like this is your thing. And it's nice that, you know, the family comes up and people dress up to have dinner at home. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's a beautiful thing. (laughs) Um I I could just tell you the three of us I can't tell you we sit there and like, oh man, we really gotta start prepping the dinner and all that. It never been that kind of household. Mine personally. Yeah. And you know, so it's like, Well uh, what what's the rush? Yeah. (laughs) Do you even
1: get pumpkin pie or do you get cherry pie?
0: Oh, we get whatever we feel like. Sometimes it's cookies, sometimes it's a red velvet cake
1: i like it it's oh. so good well. and
0: talk and uh, you know before we lose everybody uh yeah. my calendar's the Kahlua cream cheese cake oh, okay. that one is good you know <laughs> but, but yeah uh natalie i'm looking forward to breaking down these with you guys we'll be back next time until then take care have a good one and enjoy the fights